0: In this episode of The Interface, I talk with Jennifer Baumgartner, Director of Global Sales for the Casco Automotive Group. Jennifer is based out of Novi, Michigan and has been with Casco for almost 20 years. We talk about the expanding Amphenol presence in Novi and how that can help growth for multiple Amphenol divisions. We talk about the challenges of helping to navigate Casco through a major product launch during the COVID-19 pandemic. We talk about her 18-month work-study experience in Japan and how that shaped many of her future work opportunities. And we talk about her favorite Desert Island music and book and why she'll hold off on the movie for now. This is The Interface. So Jennifer, thank you for joining me today. And I know now it's, you know, the end of the year and having to deal with all this COVID stuff is is never fun. But nevertheless, here we are uh, once again, and you're in uh, Novi, Michigan, and we we're you and I were talking about this a little bit before we got started, and I didn't even realize this. What Amphenol Novi uh, has turned into here over the last couple of years? Can you just talk about that and and what's been going on there and how much we've expanded there?
1: So when Casco was first acquired by Amphenol, we found out we had a sister company, Adronics, um, and also actually also TechVact had a facility also in the Novi area. Yeah. So um, we joined shortly thereafter into a larger office. And then in 2019, we actually merged um, with five or six different uh, Amphenol companies into the office we have now in Novi. Mm -hmm. So we have companies like Amphenol Adronics, Amphenol RF, um, all have staff located within our office in, in Novi.
0: So how many additional people have been working there or have come in so far?
1: Yeah. So we have about eight, just over 80 people in our office in, in wow. Fifty, about 50 are Casco, but the, yeah. the rest are other um, Amphenol companies.
0: So what's that been like for you as you've incorporated more of the Amphenol divisions uh, into your facility?
1: It's been really great. I mean, we, we don't have a lot of like day-to-day maybe interaction, right. but it's really, really nice to have a sister or brother company. That maybe has the same customer yeah. to discuss things with when, like, even like when cost savings are requested or when some new terms and conditions are announced, you know, we, we kind of get together and discuss, you know, what makes um, what makes sense um, and what, what each other's are doing in response to those kind of issues.
0: And how important is it to be where you're located? Really important. Yeah.
1: That's, uh, you know, Casco's had some huge growth um, in the last several years. And I I really think we couldn't have done it without the, the strong presence we had in the area, um, especially our technical team that we have in Novi. So in, in Novi, we have, uh, in addition to sales, we have a full engineering staff, hardware, software, mechanical systems, uh, all supporting, you know, the big three.
0: Is your incorporation of these additional uh, Amphenol divisions, are you helping to get them in and acclimated with the big three, so to speak, or do they already have existing relationships?
1: Well, Casco is 100% direct to the OEMs. A lot of Amphenol companies are, um, uh, you know, a tier two or somewhere down the chain a little bit further. Right. Um, So we have been trying to open some doors uh, we've been trying to incorporate some of the connectors into our products, into our modules.
0: So, tell me about your job, director of global sales for for Casco. What does that entail from a, a day-to-day basis for you?
1: Well, we have facilities in all over the world, so yeah. we have um, Germany, Italy, China, Brazil, and my mornings start with Europe, and they end in the evening with China. Typically, it, it's ever changing. Yeah, there's no day that's the same, I would say so. But a lot of different issues, which are which is good because that means we're busy and we're going after sales and we're supporting customers.
0: Being in sales, too. I mean, the vast majority of your job for you and your team is being in front of customers and interacting Mm -hmm. face to face and, and doing conferences and doing meetings and all this sort of stuff. And for the better part of eight months now, you largely have not been able to do that. Right. Yeah. What has that been like for you and your team, and how have you adjusted successfully to this new environment? That hopefully we slowly start to transition out of here in the next few months.
1: Yeah, it's it's been surprisingly not too bad. I really? think as a global company, we were already so used to you know having calls. A lot of our our Customers are very global. So we'd always have meetings with other people from other regions that were actively involved in the calls anyway. So I think the most the biggest challenge has been most recently with some of the launches where it, it's been tough to not be able to go to our production sites mm-hmm. or to really travel because our, our manufacturing facilities are overseas. Um, so that that's a the biggest challenge really.
0: Have you hopefully maintained your airline status for know all your miles
1: (laughs) i think it it hasn't changed right i mean they've been promising me that i get to keep everything
0: (laughs) so as you're in this new environment and you're working with production albeit remotely a lot of times how has that affected some of the big projects that you're working on. And have you still been able to be successful with the big three and some of the ones like, you know, I know we've talked about on other podcasts, um, like what your role is with the F 150 for you and your team mm-hmm. and, and the, the power products that have been going in there?
1: It's going okay. I mean, I, I think we're taking extra measures. Or, I mean, I, I'm on calls all morning typically. That's why I ask you to have this one in the afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this, this, this discussion in the afternoon, my mornings are really busy. Um, and that's the way we've been managing it. I mean, we've just trying to do this over communication, I guess, yeah. um, every day, talking to the different teams, different plans, different customers to make sure every uh, the communication is very, very clear.
0: From the sales side of it, what's been the biggest challenge of making sure a project this large gets taken care of the right way? Because you are, you and your team are the main point of communication between the factory and the customer so Mm -hmm. how what has been the biggest challenge for you guys during this time period
1: I think you know speed has been an issue that's something the Casco has always prided itself on and something that I think has helped us grow that Mm -hmm. we've been able to be fast in our response fast in what we in our designs and our production but with definitely with COVID um, everything is kind of slowed down a little bit with regard to how quickly can we can respond. Yeah. Even getting shipments out, things like that. You know, it's, um, we have to always plan on a couple extra days here, a couple extra days there. I think the customers have been pretty understanding though.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And I think that's the key to any good relationship or partnership with your customer is that you communicate with them and um, develop a trust and make sure that you do what you say you're going to do.
0: Sure. And I imagine, again, that's, you know, one of the reasons that you're near there and that long-term relationship is probably as important to these types of projects as anything else yes. and and just being in touch, because I'm sure they're going through the same challenges, you know, in mm-hmm. similar fashion than Amphenol yep. is and Casco is in particular. So it's the, those relationships, especially those long-term relationships really could make or break uh, an opportunity like this. And so you're close to launching is it launched is it
1: no it's launched yeah yeah
0: Yeah. okay
1: Yeah, and I think another thing that we were able to do for Ford in particular is they have um, some of their team is is overseas and Mm -hmm. was not able to travel yeah so in many cases we as a local team in Novi were able to um, step in and and really support them over and and beyond what was maybe expected because there was nobody else to do it right yeah on their side
0: so so we'll go back in time a little bit we'll hit the time machine Mm -hmm. go backwards into a young jennifer baumgardner uh she graduates from high school where does she go to college
1: i went to michigan state
0: okay so a spartan Um,
1: yep i am a spartan um i was a poli sci major
0: oh that's Um, appropriate
1: Yes, very appropriate. Yeah. I should introduce you to of...
0: Ryan Fisher, the GM here at Anthonal Aerospace. <laughs> He's a poli-sci major. And, oh, I didn't and know that. He'll remind no, everyone about I it. I didn't know that, yeah.
1: Um, so, yeah, and, as a good poli-sci student, I had to take a language, and I ended up taking Japanese. And I had an opportunity after college to go to Japan on a work-study program. So I lived in Japan for a year and a half. Where? A Japanese. Um, on Shikoku, which is one of the southern islands.
0: Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah, and so what? What did you do there? What was the work study?
1: I actually worked for a railroad company. Huh? They uh, the owner was uh, or the CEO was a very um, he was trying to promote Japan internationally at the time and trying to um, also introduce uh, foreigners to the the remote area there mm-hmm. that my company was located in. So there was uh, I think about fifteen of us students at the time.
0: And how long um, were you there?
1: A year and a half. Wow. Yeah.
0: And so what was that experience like for you? I mean, had you ever done anything like that before? No, no.
1: It was my first plane flight, too. (laughs) It was a long one.
0: (laughs) And you'll you'll almost never have another, a a longer flight than that. I know. Uh, Yeah.
1: No, I mean, it's a very, very different culture. Yeah. I I mean, I really loved it, though. Um, It was a great experience. I learned a lot about the culture, the people. I love the people. I love the food. Yeah. I got to travel a lot within the country and I got to go to China at the time um, as well. Yeah. Which was very interesting. So,
0: do you sp- still speak the language? Can you?
1: I speak very poor travel Japanese.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, it's better. Uh, yeah. It's better than mine, I'm sure. And probably yeah. a lot of us here.
1: When I came back from Japan, I started working for a Japanese automotive Tier one. Mm-hmm. The only reason I got the job is because I could speak a little Japanese, and the rest is history.
0: So it benefited you the year and a half in a number of ways, but just employment-wise yeah. and career-wise, it actually gave you a unique skill set and being able to t- yeah. speak Japanese that allowed you to get into the automotive industry. Interesting. Yeah. So what yeah. did you do then when you first got into the uh, this uh, Japanese tier one here back in the in the states?
1: Yeah, I, d- I did sales. It was actually um, a two-person office, mm-hmm. so I did a little bit of everything. I was technically sales, but you know, when you're, I was interfer- interfacing with engineering and mm-hmm. logistics and everything. So I got to learn very fast, very quickly, the ins and out of automotive.
0: What were some of the things that you learned when you first started that were, that has stuck with you all these years?
1: I think right away how important building relationships were. Okay. Especially in the Japanese culture.
0: Interesting. Yeah.
1: Um, yeah. I mean, my boss who really didn't speak much English other than good and the word good and the word bad, you know, we would we would go to negotiate pricing and literally we'd go to lunch and we'd walk away with a number on the napkin and that would be our, and that's when we'd go to lunch with our, our customer. Wow. Uh, you know, it was all about knowing the right people, you know, at the time. Um, it was very much traditional Japanese way.
0: Did you like it?
1: Oh, yeah, I did. Yeah. It was fun. It was fun. But I, I mean, I think eventually I wanted to work for American Company. Yeah. I mean, I did handle, I started out handling the Japanese OEMs again when I went to Casco, but I wanted that experience.
0: So when you moved to Casco and started working for then Casco, not Amphenol yet, I'm assuming. Yeah. Um, What was it that you brought with you from the the previous company, especially from the Japanese culture that then you brought into Casco? I know I said that in a roundabout way, but I think you understood what I was saying.
1: Honestly, when I came to Casco, there was definitely a lack of understanding of the Japanese OEMs
0: Mm.
1: and how to interface with them, how to communicate with them. The Japanese Williams have a certain way of doing things. They you have to do it that way. There's no reason to argue about it. You just do it and you'll get along fine with them if you do it that way. Yeah. But there was a that was not happening, I would say, when I first came to Casco.
0: It's kind of fascinating the the fact that this year and a half work study trip to Japan mm-hmm. has really informed a large portion of your career, even though it was a year and a half. It's really gotten yes. opened <laughs> yes. a number of different doors. That's pretty yeah, that's pretty fascinating. So you yeah. you get to Casco then. What did you start doing? You started working with the Japanese OEMs, but then how did right. you progress eventually to become the director of global sales?
1: Yeah, when I first started at Casco, we were largely a cigarette lighter and total outlet company yeah. that was founded. You know, Casco was founded upon. And shortly after I started, the CEO at the time realized that, you know, the future of Casco is probably not going to be the growth of lighters and <laughs> our outlets. So yeah. we, uh, there was a big push to look at other areas. So I moved into more of a new business development role,
0: mm-hmm.
1: trying to find, you know, what is our next big thing? What, what are we going to do in the future? Right, and after many failures and a few successes, we ended up where we are today, <laughs> yes. which is with sensors, USB chargers, and power electronics. Really, as our key um, product areas.
0: When Amphenol then purchased Casco, mm-hmm. uh, for f- had you ever heard of Amphenol before before that? No.
1: What was never the heard of
0: What was the acquisition and the change like for you, or was it pretty seamless?
1: Uh, it was actually. Pretty seamless. Yeah. We had functioned pretty independently. And, and, and you know, our product was a very uh, niche type of product. That's one thing we always went after, Yeah, which is kind of in line with some of Amphenol's philosophies feeds as well. So it was, it was an easy fit for us.
0: As you're looking ahead now, the next couple of years, what mm-hmm. do you think uh, your biggest challenges are going to be over the next two, three years? Again, hopefully we get out of this particular situation uh, you and your team gets back to somewhat business as normal and go see customers can go visit the factories but what are you looking forward to and what do you see as some some of your big challenges potentially over the next couple years
1: well we really want to match the growth that we've had in the U.S. Mm -hmm. so the U.S. is really the last couple years of spending enormous growth Uh, we need to match that growth in the other regions Mm
0: -hmm.
1: you know China's has started to already come back from the pandemic, so we're seeing some good growth there. Um, Europe is, is still lagging a little bit behind, so we're really working on some strategies to, to target those areas. I think we can do it, even if this lingers on another six months or so. Um, we, you know, we're lucky in that we have existing relationships with with all of our key customers, yeah, uh, we have something to build upon. Uh, you, I think it, from a sales side, it'd be really tough if you're really trying to go after new something, brand new mark, some brand new market right? Yeah. at this
0: point. So do you miss seeing customers and interfacing with them personally and face-to-face um, absolutely. As, as much as you, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah you want to think about that? <laughs> 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 you didn't hesitate. So you miss it. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I would imagine that's kind of, you know, you wouldn't be a very good salesperson if you didn't miss it at this point. So
1: Yeah. I mean some especially some of these some of our customers are pretty close with. I mean, it's like we're friends. We we it's hard not to see those those people.
0: Yeah, I'd imagine that's yeah, I it's a it's a good point you bring up is that you really do you work with your customers probably more than you work with the people in the factories in in some instances. And yes, so you absolutely. develop some yep. very Close relationships, which is what you want. Again, this is all yeah. about relationships. I mean every every point that we've talked about in your career here is really about how important mm-hmm. relationships are. So, yeah, I can imagine this would be this would be tough. You know, in the last eight months because those relationships have suffered, and yeah. uh, at least from a physical seeing one another standpoint, so physical interaction. So, yeah, I get that. That makes sense. But hopefully, we'll get back there soon. You know, if we can get some vaccines going here, and you know, yes,
1: I, I Relax so, some yeah.
0: restrictions. So. So that's good. So we'll get away from the business stuff here and we'll, we'll wrap up on, on, uh, you know, maybe just learning a little bit more about you. What do you like to do in your free time when you're not selling globally for Casco and, and the automotive group and Amphenol?
1: Um, I love the outdoors. My, my family loves the outdoors. So we hike and I like to run and ski skier. So we're excited. We got some snow this week, so
0: so a lot of outdoor stuff, and I guess you're in, yeah. in a pretty good area too. So um, yeah, we are. The last thing, then, I like to ask this for a, a lot of our guests recently, um, just to kind of end on a on, end on a fun note. If I put Jennifer on a deserted island, right? You're by yourself, and you could only bring one album or one musical artist. Who do you think that would be, or what would it be?
1: It'd have to be something singable.
0: Something singable. Okay. All right. So right. I'm
1: thinking like Billy Joel or something.
0: Yeah. Okay.
1: By myself, nobody's going to hear my bad voice anyways. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay. So Billy Joel for music. How about a book?
1: Uh, any mystery. I I really love uh, like Louise Penny. She's a Canadian artist, but any mystery. I love mystery.
0: Okay. And then finally a movie, if you could watch one movie.
1: Movies are tough for me. I spend too many hours on the plane to appreciate them anymore um
0: does that mean you maybe, watch a lot or you don't watch any
1: i i watch so many that it's it's uh, i get tired <laughs> of them i guess <laughs> i would pick a book over a movie
0: yeah is there one that jumps out to you or no no no
1: none at all actually
0: <laughs> okay so we'll just stick with maybe We'll say another- raiders of the
1: lost hour because oh. i like that Oh, I mean, perfect! Had to have, you gotta have something with action, and that's funny too. So that combination
0: will get me. I'm 100% behind that choice. I love it. Yeah, <laughs> it's one of my all-time favorites as well. Well, Jennifer, listen, I, I want to thank you for taking the time to do this today. Um, I, I I really do appreciate it. Um, hopefully. Well,
1: thank you very much for having me.
0: Yeah, hopefully it was uh, it was not too bad. Um, I the only thing I could say, I guess, in Japanese is domo arigato. Oh, very good. Ah, See? I did remember something from when I was over there. (laughs) Thank you again, Jennifer.
1: All right, thank you.